0: Good morning, Centerway Church. I'm Meredith. I wish so much I could see your lovely faces out there, but I'm so happy to be welcoming you and gathering online together this morning. Hello to everyone that's gathering on our Sunday morning live platform, including those in watch parties, and hello to those watching or listening later on. A very special welcome to those of you joining us for the very first time. Thanks for being with us, and we hope that even online you feel at home here. I'm going to run through some information that we share each and every week that will hopefully help you and everyone else know a little bit about what to expect as we gather and how to engage if you find yourself on the live platform. First of all, if you or someone you know needs assistance or prayer, or even if you have any questions, we would love to help any way that we can. Just email us at connect at Second, we have a lot of resources available to go along with the message that you're about to hear. So no matter where you find yourself in your spiritual journey or even what age you are, uh, there's something to keep you moving forward. A few things I wanna point out are the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals, which you can sign up for on the Next Steps page of the website. There are wallpapers to remind you of the weekly application question and a message just for our kiddos. Our Centerway kids, they get to learn from the same scriptures that you're about to hear, uh, but with kid-friendly content. If you have kids in your home, we really want to encourage you to talk about that application question together. It's a great way to grow and to have meaningful conversations. Um, All those resources that I just mentioned and more are available on our website. Now, if you'd like to share your information with us, if you want to give, uh, take next steps, find previous messages, share this message or request prayer, you can do all those things on the live platform or if you're watching or listening later on our website. We have some things planned for the upcoming weeks and months, and we're going to be sending out some emails about those, so keep an eye out for those emails. Uh, But one thing that's coming very soon is information on a fall cycle of circles, and we cannot wait for that. It's going to be great. Here's what to expect today. Jamie will be reading the scripture text for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then you'll hear some ways to respond in worship. Immediately after the message, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Here's Jamie with the text for today. Hi,
1: everybody. my name is Jamie, and I'll be reading the scripture today. It can be found in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 34. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God.
2: morning and welcome. Uh, My name is Claude. My wife, Meredith, and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church, and we're super excited that you have the opportunity to be with us this morning as we continue in our series, Questions and Answer. Uh, This morning's title is specifically Authority, Questions and Answer Authority. And uh, we're continuing in our journey through the gospel of Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 34 that you just heard read. And uh, as we're kind of preparing for this week's message, I did a little reminiscing uh, into my childhood. We used to... um, play Capture the Flag growing up in our front yard. Um, My parents had a couple acres, and so we had kind of this expanse of front yard, and we would have friends over. when I say we, I'm talking about friends of my older sister, friends of my younger sister, and friends of mine. And we would gather, and we would play Capture the Flag into the dark. Uh, It was just, it was a blast. Uh, The summer evenings were always filled with with screaming and running and people getting hurt, and just, it was a good time. Uh, But there was one time in particular where we had so many of our friends show up that that it was kind of an obnoxious crowd. And so we decided that we'd do something a little bit different. We would actually create three teams for Capture the Flag. And it would be kind of this this, uh, unique play on our front yard where three teams would be going against each other. And uh, so we had to come up with some different type rules, as you can imagine. And uh, so we were going along and we're playing, and uh, it was was pretty fun. And uh, as we're playing, I kind of corner the... Team captain or the leader uh, of one of the other teams. I've kind of got him cornered, and as I have him cornered, he's a little bit older than I am, and he starts to negotiate right away. And he goes, "Hey, Claude, I have an idea. Wait, 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 wait! Before you tag me or anything." And he's kind of whispering because he doesn't want everybody to know where we are. And uh, he's like, "What if we created an alliance?" And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Let's create an alliance. So, you know, I'll I'll just play along this time, this game. But the next game, when we start, let's create an alliance, and our two teams." will become one team. And I'm like, that would be amazing. He's an older guy, his team was kind of faster, and uh, I was like, yeah, I like the idea. He's like, okay, all right, so just so that they don't think anything of it, just let me capture you this time, and then the next game, you know, we'll merge. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get captured. How about I capture you? And he's like, no, come on. It's my idea. I'm faster. If they see that you caught me, they're going to read into it. They're going to see that we're creating an alliance. And so I'm sitting there kind of like negotiating in my mind. And of course, you know, as a young kid, just thirsty for power, I realize this could be my shot. Like an older guy giving me the opportunity to really destroy my sisters. This would be amazing. And so I go, okay. And he's like, all right, so you're surrendering? I'm like, yep. And so he captures me and declares himself winner and then goes on and tells everybody about how (laughs) I basically uh, was so weak that I melted down in front of him and that he captured me without any effort. And I'm thinking, this is all part of the plan. This is all part of the plan. So I'm going along with it like, oh yeah, he really got me when in fact I had cornered him. And so we get this whole round over And uh, we lose and we get ready to start the next match and I pull my team aside and I kind of tell them like, hey, we've got this thing worked out and we're going to be in alliance with them. And so what do we do? And so I go over and I'm kind of talking to him and like he's like telling, you know, meet me by the wood pile. I'm like, wink, wink. And he's like, birdie. And I'm like, you know, none of that actually happened. We were just sort of, you know, playing it off to the other team and I thought it would be entertaining, but. No one here is entertained, so maybe that's not funny. In either case, we're moving on, and uh, as I'm telling uh, my team, like, this is the plan, uh, they're like, how do we know we can trust him? I'm like, because, you know, I I let him get me, and, you know, and they're like, yeah, you let him capture you, and then we lost. I'm like, yeah, I know, but he's, like, that's part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. And so, sure enough, we meet him at the designated place, and uh, his team captures our entire team, and we lose. And I think, what in the world's going on? What are you doing? And he's like, You are such a sucker. First, you let me win last time, and now I captured your whole team. I'm like, What in the world? You lied to me. And he's like, Of course I did. It's part of the game. You stink at this game, by the way. I'm like, Oh my gosh. I was devastated. I was embarrassed. I was thinking to myself, Why in the world did I believe this guy? Why did I surrender my authority? Why did I give in? And the question I want to ask all of us this morning as we go into this message is this Why? do we sometimes surrender authority? Why do we sometimes surrender authority? I mean, this guy exploited my weakness. He, he tapped into my desire for strength, and he manipulated me. I surrendered my authority. This is uh, going to sound kind of counterintuitive, but I want to submit to you that we sometimes surrender authority because we seek authority. We sometimes surrender authority because we're actually in desire for more authority. Our goal as humans is to have a sense of authority. Now, you might be sitting there being like, no, not me. Like, I'm not a a big, like, authority pusher. It's not like I want to be in charge or anything like that. But bear with me because at the very least, we want authority over our own lives. We all, as humans, want some form of authority, even if it's just over our own lives. And as a result of this kind of human condition, we do something rather bizarre. In hopes of gaining the authority we seek, we surrender authority. We give over parts of the authority of our own lives. I'll give you an example because I think that your mind might be going to maybe the illustration that I had, something obvious of a moment of surrender to another person. I want you to think beyond that just for a moment, if you will. Now, I didn't say that we surrender authority to a person, per se. Although some of us, maybe in unhealthy dating relationships, unhealthy marriages, unhealthy friendships, unhealthy parent-child relationships, we do surrender authority to a person. But the fact is, it doesn't have to be a person. It could be an inanimate object. Here's that example. We've had a rough day. And maybe that rough day has turned into a rough week or weeks. And so we have this desire for comfort. This desire for kind of control over the chaos of our lives in that season. A sense of authority over our own well-being and where it is that we're headed in our one and only lives. And so we, from our perspective give ourselves permission to do certain things. And I'm saying we very intentionally because it's not like this is a problem for you or me. This is a humanity issue. And so we give ourselves permission to what? To maybe disengage. I deserve to kind of disengage and relax a little. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna disengage in social media. I'm gonna disengage and I'm gonna play a game on a device. I'm gonna disengage and just watch some TV. I'm gonna overeat. Because after all, I just need a little comfort and this is my favorite food and it's been a long week. Or maybe you disengage by giving yourself permission to get some extra work done. Because I know that there's some of you that are kind of workaholics and you think that there's some form of honor in that, but it's all part of the same desire to gain some type of authority and control over our lives. I think I picked examples that resonate with all of us, at least one. I know for myself, if I'm being honest, there are multiple examples that resonate for me. (laughs) Here's the crazy thing. Here's the absolute crazy thing. In that moment, in that moment of permission giving, in that moment where we think we're actually taking authority over our lives, we believe that we're displaying some form of authority, but we are in fact surrendering authority. Why would we do that? Why would we give up hours of our lives? to pursue something that never delivers on what we're looking for. I, I've never finished a little season of, uh, of social media interaction and been like, I feel better now. Super relaxed. Especially nowadays. I mean, social media just fires you up. And so you, you went to disengage. Instead, you come back more like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with the world? <laughs> disengage by, you know, trying to, to take some time to, to do something you think you deserve, only to come back and regret that you didn't spend that time doing something more productive, or if you're doing it in the name of productivity, you only eventually regret that you didn't spend more time with the people you love most or doing things that ultimately matter to your one and only life. Why would we do that? Why would we surrender authority of our lives, of our time, of our talent, of even our treasure? Why do we give of ourselves in that way? This is why. Because in that moment, we believe the lie that that thing or that that person will deliver on a promise that they will give us the answer that we're looking for, that they're going to give us that sense of authority and control that we crave. You see, because we're seeking answers to questions that we may not give voice to. But here's some of the questions that we're asking Am I lovable? Am I lovable? And so we surrender authority to others, hoping that they say yes. We end up in unhealthy relationships. We ask the question, maybe, am I a good parent? And so we surrender authority to our kids that ultimately direct our lives in a way that is never appropriate. Am I valuable? Have I performed enough? And so we surrender authority to our work, to the agenda, to the to-do lists. Trying to earn something. Can I find comfort? And so we surrender to food, to devices, to television, to you name it. The list goes on. Maybe I didn't strike the the question that you're asking yourself, but you know what I'm talking about. That concept of, of something deep within us where we're trying to seek some form of authority and control in our lives. We have all of our questions just circling around in our heart and mind. And get this. In every scenario, we surrender authority, which means something or someone becomes our master. And in turn, we become their slave. Hmm. We give some authority and in turn, we lose all authority. We all do it, Christian or not. This is a humanity thing. This is a human fallen condition We're searching for something, and so we surrender something in turn. So what's the answer? Mark tells us. You know, verses 21 through 34 are actually recording one long day. It's all one long day of ministry in Capernaum. And so in this day, we ultimately see Jesus' authority. That's what Mark's recording. His authority in both the physical and the spiritual realms. Verses 21 through 22 says this, it says, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered, meaning Jesus, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. (laughs) One who has authority... And not as the scribes. Now you might say, well, not as the scribes. So is Mark saying that basically implying that the scribes had no authority and that everybody in the synagogue knew that? (laughs) Like, oh, whoa, somebody's teaching something with authority opposed to that other stuff that we hear that has no authority whatsoever. No, that's, that's not what's happening here. You see, the scribes were very well respected and had a lot of authority in the community. They were very well versed in the law. And that's what they communicated. They communicated the traditions and the law in the synagogue. So they were repeating and articulating the authority of others. They were not the source. And that's what this is talking about. It's a new teaching. It's someone speaking with an authority where they are the source. They're connecting new ideas. He's connecting the Old Testament with what it is that that prophets were speaking And he's leading ultimately to the revelation of him being the son of God. At this point, we don't know that yet. So spoiler alert. But what's happening here is that Jesus being the source is revealing that he is the answer. He is the answer. Other people communicating the authority of others were not the source. And yet Jesus is unapologetically the answer and they can sense it. They're connecting the dots. His authority is undeniable. In fact, his authority becomes even more undeniable in the following verses. Verses 23 through 28, which I'll read. It's a little bit long, but bear with me. It says, and immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. So when he cried out, this unclean spirit, he's literally possessed by a demon. And so this unclean spirit says, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So now he has already wowed them with his teaching, this authority that comes in the physical realm. But now all of a sudden we see a spiritual dynamic where the actual spiritual beings know who he is and acknowledge his authority. Are you coming to destroy us? Because they realize his authority. And verse 25 says, But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread. Everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So there's an amazing dynamic that's taking place here where Jesus' authority becomes increasingly undeniable and people are left to wrestle. In fact, verse 27 says, And they were all amazed. they're uh, They're questioning among themselves what is this? A new teaching with authority. You see, so there's this idea of a new teaching, and then there's miracles that are following. And ultimately, we see healings that take place. So you see, there's, there's no mistake that Jesus' teachings are mentioned first. It says that everyone was amazed. And, and the, uh, the word here for amazed means every single person present was amazed. So it's not kind of like a, where it might be like, oh, that was amazing. And there's like two or three of us that were like, yeah, that was cool. And there's like one dude in the corner that's texting somebody like, what? I missed it. I don't care. Like this word is intentionally all-inclusive. It means every single person present were absolutely amazed. Powerful. You see, in our culture, we get enamored with the idea of healings and miracles, and so maybe we would be like, oh my gosh, you couldn't believe it. Like he cast out a demon. It was unbelievable. And, and also he, um, you know, he did some teaching stuff too, but I don't really remember what that was. You should have seen, but <laughs> that's not what's happening here. Mark is making it very clear in the way that he has formulated the, the organization of the Greek words and the, and the way in which it's communicated in order in the text to say Jesus's ministry was predominantly teaching first. And that the miracles and the healings actually were to confirm his authority and God's presence. So the healings and the miracles weren't the end unto themselves. The purpose Jesus came for was to talk about repenting and believing. He's calling people to the kingdom of God. And then he performs these miracles and these healings so that he can verify his authority, the authority of his teaching and the presence of God in their midst. Listen, we often fall victim to seeking the evidence rather than the answer. Let me say that again. We fall victim to seeking the evidence rather than the answer. Imagine if they were so enamored by what Jesus was doing that they just allowed his teaching to sift right past them and they just began to to lean more into the evidence that he has authority You see, when you seek evidence, it only leads to more questions. When you seek the evidence, it only leads to more questions because you haven't found the answer. Are you seeking Jesus or are you seeking what he can do for you? Hmm. I hate that question. (laughs) I hate the question because it it should mess with every single one of us. I'm going to ask it again. Are you seeking Jesus or are you seeking what he can do for you. Because I want to tell you, the people in Capernaum, they did what I'm talking about. They leaned into the miracle. They leaned into the wow, and I can't believe he's doing that. And they allowed the teaching to sift right through, like I said. This should be kind of a a gut punch for us, a wake-up call, because the truth is we want what we want. And although some of us um, may say that we want Jesus, some of us might be uh, professing Christ followers today, listening, and say, man, I want more of Jesus. But our pursuit of other things reveals our true affections. We We pursue other things. We say that we want Jesus, and yet the evidence of our life says we want to remain the authority of our lives. We want to pursue comfort. We want to pursue belonging. We want to understand whether or not we're loved. And the irony and the devastation of it all is that Jesus alone is the answer. We are lovable because Jesus declares us lovely. He loved us while we were still his enemies. We're valuable because he created us. Because we were worthy of his even sacrifice. All of the, the questions of our life are answered in the person and work of Jesus. We see in verse 28 that Jesus' fame is spreading. It legit says that. It says, at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surroundings, surrounding region of Galilee. In all human reason, we set up shop right here in Galilee. In fact, that's what some of his disciples think. Like, this is going well. Like, let's just rule from here let's overthrow the roman government from here because that's what their game plan was that's what they thought jesus was there for but jesus doesn't do that he doesn't stay in their midst because he's not seeking fame you see when you have authority when you understand the authority you have it changes the way you interact with the world around you A person seeking fame and trying to gain authority stays in a position where they have perceived authority so that they can kind of milk that for all it's worth. But when you have real authority, when you have the authority of God himself, you have nothing to prove. And so all of a sudden you can be personal and compassionate. And that's what we see in the following verses. Jesus actually goes to the home of Peter where his mother-in-law is sick and he heals her. He heals her in a, in a very personal, non-flashy way. The scripture that was read earlier says that she had a fever and that it was gone immediately and she began to serve them. And all that that really communicates, it doesn't mean that the, a woman's right place is to serve, which I know some people that have taken that scripture out of context and God have mercy on their soul. This is really about uh, an example of a healing being complete. You see then and even now, if you have uh, a fever for a long um, amount of time, there's a recovery process that if you get better, you're still like, wow, that fever like kicked my butt. Like I need some time to recoup. And what this scripture is saying is that she was immediately healed, not like better from the the fever, not like the fever broke. No, she's a hundred percent good. Gets up and says, hey, anybody want something to eat? I'm going to go make dinner. So it's more about the completion of the healing. And verses 32 and 33 say that evening at sundown, which means Sabbath is coming to an end. The day is coming to an end. You see, with Sabbath in that culture, it means that people were now allowed to travel. Prior to sundown, they can't travel because they're part of Sabbath. And they're not allowed to walk a certain distance. So it says that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Does that mean literally the whole city? Yes, the entire city goes to the door to say, hey, we hear something pretty amazing happened today at the synagogue and we want in. In verse 34, it actually says that, and uh, it says, and he healed many who were sick with various disease. So you might say, well, he healed many. So like everybody shows up, the whole town shows up, this whole city shows up and he heals many of them. Well, It's important to understand that there's kind of a Hebraic uh, phrase that means essentially the whole community. So, by many, it means everyone that came sick was healed 100%. It's incredible. It's absolutely awe inspiring, incredible. Here's what's interesting to me these people, some 2,000 years ago, totally different culture, entirely different time totally different needs, wants, different people. And yet every bit as human as you and I. Are they excited to know Jesus or to ask about the message that they heard about in the synagogue? Do they come and say, listen, we hear of a new teaching. Will you tell us about this teaching? No. Do they come and say, listen, we heard about this repenting and believing. Can you tell us more about this kingdom that you speak of? Nope. No, they are excited about what they can get from Jesus. They're excited to get free, to set their loved ones free, to get healing. Is that a bad thing? No, it's a very human thing to be enamored by the authority that someone else displays. They're essentially saying, how can I use his authority to gain some authority in my own life? How do I break free from this disease? How do I gain some form of comfort? I need something that only Jesus can give me. Listen, you might be missing it. They've literally just heard the gospel, the good news. They've literally just heard the gospel from Jesus himself, and they are immediately distorting it. Immediately. You know... We distort the gospel in pursuit of authority of our own lives. We misrepresent who Jesus is. We, all of us, that proclaim to be Christians. We want to press into proximity to Jesus for happiness, for health, for wealth, for all the things that we can get, for a sense of community, a sense of belonging. There's something that we desire. What can we get from Jesus? And we've given authority to other things. If we've lived life long enough, if you profess to be a Christian, then you know what it's like to give authority to other things in your life, to pursue lesser things, to to give affection and love to people in hopes that it would be returned only to find that these inanimate objects and other people make poor masters. And so at some point in the crossroads of our lives, we declare that we want Jesus We want Jesus, but we're like the people of Capernaum, and some of us are like the scribes. We're so religious, we're so intellectual, we're so spiritual, that we're missing what Jesus is actually talking about. He's not talking about the healings and the miracles as an end unto themselves, but that they're pointing to the person and work of Jesus Christ himself, that the teachings are what matters because it is the gospel, it is the teaching that will set us free. It's proximity to Jesus that is the answer. And, and Mark's going to unpack that in even greater ways and in more poignant ways as we move forward. What they didn't know, these people that were just crowded, the entire city pressing in on a door, what they didn't know or understand at that time, is that Jesus would lay down his authority. He would die a death that we earned, that you and I deserve. And then he'd conquer sin and death, only to to turn and give us the authority of children of God. See, the authority that we're seeking, the thing that we are looking for, It's not in what it is that we can get. It's in the person and work of Jesus. He is the answer. If we would only repent and believe, if we would only repent and believe, we'd have the answer that we've been searching for. Jesus is the answer. You see, it's not about happiness. It's not about health. It's not about wealth. It's about Jesus and knowing him. Why? Why? Because in Jesus we can find true happiness. We can find the reality that this body that we have is just for a season so that we can extend and further the mission that God has called us to be on. That the things that we have are so that we can be a blessing to those we come in contact with. That we could live on mission with an eternal perspective rather than a temporal one. Jesus is trying to wake up the spiritual scribes and the religious Pharisees and Sadducees of the day and it flew right past them. Is it flying right past you? Are you so caught up in the things of this world that you're willing to exchange authority that's been given to you by God himself to be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, to walk in the fullness that God has for your one and only life, to leverage your time, your talent, and treasure for the furtherance of his mission and not for what it is that you can gain, some false sense of authority that's gone the moment you die, if not sooner. We always say, the text requires something of us. And of course, this week is no different. The question I want to challenge you with is this, what will I do to know Jesus better this week? If Jesus is the answer, then what are you doing to know him better? How can you, can you move through and navigate through the clutter and the worries and the, the voices of this world that declare you, you deserve this or you deserve that? How do you get to the root of the answer? I'll ask it again. What will I do to know Jesus better this week? For some of you, the answer is to surrender your life to him. You haven't really laid down your life and declared him the Lord and leader of your life. You've been living the center of your life, trying to gain authority. And you just, you've lived enough life finally to know as much as you give away authority, you become a slave to lesser things. So today, if you want to ask Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life and to acknowledge the sacrifice that he made for you, it's as simple as praying a prayer wherever you might find yourself. To just say, Lord, I know that you died for me. I pray you'd come and be the Lord and leader of my life. Would you forgive me of my sins and set me free? That's how it starts. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, and you're live with us, I want to encourage you to click request prayer and you'll go into a private chat with a host that will walk you through the next steps so that this doesn't become some emotional decision or a spur of the moment thing. If you're listening later, you can feel free to email us or go to our website and check out what your next steps could be. We'd love to walk alongside you in this journey. Maybe for others of you that have already crossed that line of faith, what does it look like to know Jesus better this week? Maybe it just means carving out extended time where you pray, where you just say, Lord, would you reveal to me the areas of my life that I've surrendered to lesser things, that in those moments that that you wanna reach for the remote or reach for the device or reach into the food pantry or whatever, that it would serve as a reminder. Am I pursuing a lesser thing? Lord, would you just reveal yourself to me? God, I wanna know you. I want the answers that you have for my life. Maybe it means engaging in our devotions Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you don't already, you can sign up for them. Begin a one-on-one discipleship journey if you'd like. There's a lot of next steps that you can take. But I want to challenge you to consider what it looks like to really know Jesus better this week. And maybe you find yourself one that's maybe already in those rhythms. And maybe you would be almost tempted to say, well, this doesn't apply to me. Like, I get it. I already know this. I want to encourage you to evaluate. Have you started to lean into identity as a scribe, as a Pharisee? Are you so caught up in the knowledge that you have and the things that you know that when it comes to the application of the word of God to your life, you actually partly believe that maybe there is no application, that you get it? I want to challenge you to evaluate that. And so maybe for you, knowing Jesus better this week, looks like carving out time to say, God, will you show me the areas of my life where I've become a scribe, where I've become a Pharisee? Would you speak to my heart and convict me, Lord, that I wouldn't be caught up in the religiosity and miss the actual message that you're whispering to my heart and soul? God will be faithful. In fact, let's pray together right now. Lord, I'm thankful that we don't have to, to navigate this world By ourselves, but you say that you would never leave us or forsake us, Lord, that you're walking alongside us in this season. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak clearly, that you would speak loudly, that you would uh, direct our paths, Lord, that there would be an application that is clear, that we could lean in. And Father, I pray that you would show us who you are, that as we seek you, we would find you, as your word promises. And so, Lord, would you show up in significant ways that we could join you on mission in declaring to this world and to those around us, that they're to repent and believe a message of love and compassion that they would know you and that we would know you better. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to stick around with some, uh, some further instructions and look forward to continuing in this series uh, next week. So I hope to see you then.
1: Hi, Centerway, I'm Tara. Thanks for joining us this morning. We'd like to take this time after the message to encourage you to respond to the text you just heard. There are many ways to worship this week as you consider what you will do to know Jesus better. One of the ways we can worship together is through singing, which we're about to do if you're with us live. If you're watching or listening to this message later, you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify. Just search Centerway Church and look for our questions and answer playlist. For those gathered on the online platform, We'll see you live on Facebook or Instagram in just a few minutes.